Well, what's up? Golly. I'm just going to go on back. I mean, come on now. I know it's raining outside, but uh, some of y'all are out on spring break, right? How many of you are teachers and you're out on spring break? I'm going to just let y'all kids in on something. The teachers look forward more to it than you do, all right? Because they're tired of you, and they just cannot wait to have a week. Yeah, that's right. Somebody's going to give me an amen on that. Um, before we jump into what we're talking about today, um, let me just remind you of what is happening next Sunday and, and uh, kind of tie it in with some things that, are, that are, we just sang about. Uh, I, this music today was awesome, as usual. Band does a great job. Give them a hand. They, they don't ask me to do that, but I'm just telling you. Good job by them. But uh, that, they were singing the song, um, Mighty to Save, and the, the, ver- the line in there that says, um, Jesus conquered the grave. And that's what next Sunday is all about. That's what every Sunday is all about because we worship on Sunday morning because of the fact that that's the day that Jesus came out of the grave. So we worship it. So every week here should be a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. But next week, of course, being Easter, that's, that's a really, really big deal. And uh, I, what I'm asking you to do, I'm asking you to do a couple of things. One is, um, and I've been asking this for a couple of weeks, but I'll continue to remind you. Find somebody, invite them to be here. Somebody that even if somebody that maybe has said that they hate church, it doesn't matter. Or somebody that maybe is not in church, but they just are they here, but they don't understand or whatever. But invite somebody to be here because uh, all of you know at least one person who needs Jesus. And uh, our, our mission around here is helping people discover true freedom in Jesus Christ the only way you can find true freedom is in Jesus Christ. And next week, we're get, that message is going to be so clear. We're talking about Jesus dying for us, that the, that the uh, coming back and, and uh, the grave coming up from the grave. And, uh, and we're going to make that so clear next week. And, and so just if you've got anybody in your life that you know of that you might even have an inkling, maybe they need Jesus, invite them to be here. And then the second thing I want to ask you to do, or two more things, I guess, actually, is if you're a regular attender here, and, and we, Donnie mentioned this last week, park down at the end. There's a parking lot way down there at the end. And a park down there uh, next week so we can leave these great front spaces out here for people that, uh, that don't know Jesus and maybe are coming to church for the first time. And I'll promise you if it's raining next week, we'll have that in. That end door is propped open right now because our band and our setup guys, they all park down there every week. And they, we prop that open for them so they can come in through the school and not get wet if it's raining like it is today. And then one other thing is when you come in next week, uh, I see all you in-sitters. I know who my in-sitters are because I see them every... Uh, and listen, when I go somewhere, I like to be on the end because you don't ever know and you just need to get up, right? Um, but if, you're, if you want to sit on the end next week, then come in last, all right? So I wouldn't... If you come in and there's nobody yet in the middle, I want everybody to pile into the middle, leave the ends open for our latecomers to, uh, to get in here, all right? Is that cool? Are we all, are we all on the same page with that stuff? Great. Y'all are awesome. All right. Let's, uh, let's jump into what we've been talking about the last few weeks. We, uh, we started a series almost two months ago uh, about heroes, biblical heroes. And I told you that we were going to talk about these guys and we were going to spend two weeks on each one. And talk the first week about one of the strengths of these heroes. And then the second week we would talk about a flaw or a, or a part of their life that, that maybe is not as strong that we don't want to emulate. You know, we see the strengths and those are things we want to emulate, things we want to copy. We want those things in our lives. But with a flaw, we look at that and we say, oh, I don't want that in my life. But if you're like me, 
chances are you see the flaw and you can really relate to that because you say, oh yeah, I can see myself doing that. Maybe, maybe if you're like, uh, you know, you read the story of Moses, you think, I can't see myself sticking my staff down in the sea and it parting, but I could see myself maybe getting mad enough to kill somebody, right? Or, or with David, you know, you think, well, I can't see myself being that passionate about God, but I could see myself, you know, maybe looking at a woman like I shouldn't look at her or something like that. So we, sometimes we can relate to the flaws even better than we can to the strengths. And the guy we're going to continue to talk about today is Peter. We talked last week about Peter. And we talked about his strength and how his strength was that he had radical faith and that he would act when others were afraid to act, that he would speak up when others were afraid to speak up. And like I told you last week, I think that Peter's flaw that we're going to talk about today is, is so uh, key to who we are and, and re- we'll be able to relate so well to it because his flaw and his strength were basically the same thing. You see, your biggest strength is often connected with your biggest weakness. And I'll give you an example of that. For instance, if you are a, uh, let's say you're a talkative person, you tell great stories, you're kind of the life of the party, everybody likes to be around you, that can be a strength. You can really use that for some good things. On the, on the other side of that, there's a thin line between the guy who likes to tell great stories and who's a life of a party, there's a thin line between that and, and a know-it-all who nobody wants to be around, right? And so sometimes this thing that can be a strength can turn into a weakness. Or maybe you're a deep, critical thinker and and uh, you're kind of a quiet guy or lady and you can really dig into the deep issues of life and think critically about those and try to come to some uh, understanding of them and all those kinds of things. That can really be a strength. But then on the other hand, you might have a tendency to be negative and, and, and get easily depressed. And so a lot of times, our greatest personality strength can also become one of our biggest weaknesses. And we see that big time in the life of Peter. See, Peter was kind of like this guy right here. Look at this picture here and see if you know who, who this is. Anybody know who that is? Brett Favre. My favorite guy to ever watch play any sport ever. Now, here's the thing about Brett Favre. If you told me, hey, Cliff... Your life is on the line with the results of this game. If, if they lose, you're going to die. I don't want Brett Favre to be my quarterback, all right? I want Joe Montana or Tom Brady or somebody like that to be my quarterback. But now if you said to me, Tom Brady's on TV and Brett Favre's on TV, who are you going to watch? I'm watching Brett Favre 10 times out of 10. Why? Because Brett Favre, there's no middle ground with him. He's either going to throw five touchdowns or five interceptions. He's either going to, you know, force a pass into double coverage and the receiver's going to catch it for the touchdown or he's going to throw a pick six in overtime that loses the game for his team. He wins big and he fails big. And that's exactly the way Peter was. I thought when I read these stories about Peter, I thought about Brett Favre. Because Peter was the guy who's not afraid to throw into double coverage. And sometimes that works out. But then sometimes it doesn't work out. And so Peter's strength was that he was radical and he would take these radical steps of faith. His weakness was is that he was oftentimes radically wrong. When you read in Scripture, when Peter messed up, there's really not very many times where it was a small mess up. You don't read and you're like, oh, that was, you know, cute, a funny little thing. I mean, he had big time mess ups, like denying Jesus, you know, stuff like that, big time stuff. And so I thought about two stories today that I want us to read. So we're going to start off reading two straight stories from the Bible. So if you've got your Bibles I want you to open to the New Testament. That's the last, the second part of the Bible. The first book of the New Testament is the book of Matthew. 
Open to Matthew 16 and then flip over to John 18. That's a couple books over. John 18 and hold your finger there. And I'm going to read two different stories to you back to back. And then there's some stuff I think we can learn about Peter's life that really applies to who we are. Start with Matthew 16, verse 21. Matthew 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now look over at John 18, starting with verse 1. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am he, Jesus answered. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Now, two stories there about Peter. And there's some great things that happen. In both of those stories, there's some stuff that I think we can see that really apply to us. And here's the first thing. And the first one is this. Emotions can be dangerous emotions can be dangerous now here's the deal you're a human are we all humans here if you're a human raise your hand all right if you're some type of v alien life force you know that's visiting us uh we want to know that but we're all humans here and the the thing with us being humans is we're all emotional people uh that that's what kind of differentiates us from other mammals and animals and stuff is we have this full range of emotions now some of us are more emotional than others. If you would admit that you're a pretty emotional person, would you raise your hand? I know that that's a, those are my people right there. That's me. You know, I'm the kind of guy, I cry easily. I mean, I cry at commercials. You know, they show these commercials and people coming home from war for Christmas or whatever. I'm over there just crying. You know, I, I cry easily. I also laugh easily. Uh, you know, I, I get... I get angry easily, but I'm also happy easily. It doesn't take much to get me excited and doesn't take, well, it can take something to get me mad, but there's certain things that really make me mad. And so I'm, I'm an emotional person. And Peter, that's, this is why I can relate so well to Peter in this story, because Peter was an emotional guy. 
And, and it's obvious in the second story, when, in the John story, when it talks about him cutting off the guy's ear. I mean, you don't cut somebody's ear off. That's usually not a calm, calculated move. I mean, that was an, he, he reacted on emotion. And emotions can be so dangerous to us. And here's what, what makes them dangerous is that I believe reading both of these stories, when Peter comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about, you're not going to die. And when he pulls out a sword and cuts a dude's ear off, that in both of those stories, Peter was acting from a sincere heart. That what he was doing at him at the time seemed right to him. And that's why emotions can be so dangerous. Because when we react on emotion, what happens is, all of a sudden our emotions become the standard. They become the standard of what we're supposed to do. So no longer is what the Bible says the standard. No longer is what the laws of South Carolina say are the standard. No longer is what just general good manners are. Those aren't the standard anymore. Now the standard is, well, I was mad. Or I was sad. Or I was feeling protective of this person. Or this or that. And so we do these things. We react on emotion just like Peter did. And then even after it's over with, Because we made our emotions the standard of our actions, then we'll even defend our actions. Something that is indefensible, that that you would know that you're never supposed to do. Things you're never supposed to say to somebody. Ways you're never supposed to treat someone. And after it's over with, we'll say, well, but I wouldn't have done that if they hadn't have done this. And I was mad, and they made me mad. Or, Or I was so upset because of that. Or this, that, and the other. And so now, because our emotions are the standard, we'll even defend our bad behavior. And see, with Peter, I truly believe that when he he was doing all these things, it was out of a sincere heart, which at the time, it just made total sense to him because of the way he felt at that moment. Look at Matthew 16. If you still got your your Bibles open to Matthew 16, look, look a little further back at verses 13 through 17. Now, we know in verse 21 that Jesus had said, hey, I'm going to be killed and all this stuff. But look at what had just happened. This is the conversation right before that had just happened. Matthew 16, 13, it says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So it's kind of like the rundown of great guys of the Jewish faith. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ the Son of the living God. Now the Christ, that's the Messiah. This is the one they've been waiting on. And then in verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. So here's what had happened. Right before verse 21 of Matthew 16, when Jesus started to say, hey, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to turn myself over to the Pharisees and the chief priests, and they're going to kill me and all this kind of stuff. Right before that, Peter had just declared Jesus as the Messiah. Peter had understood, he felt like he knew, okay, this is the guy we've been waiting on. This is the Son of God. That He is the real deal. And he's just said he's the Messiah. And then look at verse 21. The very first words of verse 21 tell us how things change after this conversation. The first four words says this, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples and it talks about how he's going to be killed. So Peter had just said, hey, you're the son of God. And then it says, from that time on, Jesus began to say that he was going to be killed. So here's the deal. 
Peter had just said, you're the son of God. And then the next thing Jesus starts teaching about, and he's talking about it all the time, as how he's going to be murdered. Well, to Peter, emotionally, this didn't make any sense. Emotionally, to him, he's thinking, wait a minute, you're God. God can't be killed. This doesn't make any sense to me. And so Peter was confused and he he couldn't understand how Jesus could die. So this was an emotional response. And Peter made, just just like we are guilty of doing, he made his emotions the standard. The standard was no longer what Jesus was saying. The standard was what Peter was feeling. And Peter was feeling like, this is not right. You can't die. Look at John 18. Same thing in that story. John 18, verse 3. When it talks about they're coming to arrest Jesus... Verse 3, it says, So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. So you got these armed soldiers coming to pick up Jesus. Now, if you got armed soldiers coming to pick up somebody that you love, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to act, especially if you're Peter. That's what he did. And so verse 18.10, it says, Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. It was an emotional response. An emotional response. You guys have got weapons? Check it out, dude. I got one too and I'm taking somebody's ear off. Bring it on, right? That's what Peter was doing. I mean, that was the whole deal. It was an emotional response. It wasn't calculated. He didn't walk into that garden thinking, somebody shows up, I'm cutting their ear off. No, it was just emotion. He had to jump out there and do something right away. Just like I said last week, he was often radical in his actions, and that was sometimes a good thing. But this time, he was radically wrong. Because notice, just like last week, did anybody else pull out their swords and start cutting off ears? No. Peter, once again, out there leading the charge all by himself. But the difference was, this week, it was the wrong thing to do. It was the wrong action to take. It was totally based on his emotion. Now, the second thing that I think we can learn from these two passages of Scripture about Peter that really speaks to us is this. Peter didn't really get what Jesus was all about. Peter didn't really get what Jesus is all about. Now, when I thought about this, a commercial immediately came to my mind. And if you're a guy and you watch football, you've probably seen this commercial this year. So check this commercial out, and, and it reminds me of Peter. Hey, Vincent! Go stay! Hey, Ham. Why did that guy call you Vincent? Because that's my real name, Bergwood. It is? How do you know that? He's my Allstate agent. Oh, he insures your car. And my boat. You got a boat? Oh, my wife is a big-time skier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You married? Where'd you meet your wife? Pilates. Uh, she's European. Now, I love that commercial. You got two guys there that hang around a lot, and they, they go to football games. You think they know each other, right? And one guy, he doesn't even know his real name. He doesn't know he's got a boat, and he doesn't even know he's married, and he doesn't even know his wife is European, right? From the country of Pilates or whatever she's from. Everyone there has a strong core in that country. But uh, so I, I thought about Peter in this because here's Peter. Peter hangs around Jesus a lot. In fact, by this time in the story, Peter's been hanging around Jesus for a couple of years. And Peter has basically left behind his old way of life, his, his, his left behind his business and, and all that kind of stuff just to follow Peter around. I mean, follow Jesus around. He had eaten with him. 
He'd slept out in the wilderness with him. He'd hung around with him. He'd heard him teach. Who knows how many times he'd heard Jesus teach. He'd had private conversations with Jesus. And so if anybody should know what Jesus would all, was all about, it would be Peter. But we find out from this, these stories that even through all that, he still didn't really get what Jesus was here for. He still didn't really know what the purpose of Jesus being on earth was. Look at Matthew 16, 21 again. Peter, uh, Jesus says this in 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. See, Jesus is laying out the plan. He's making it as clear as he can be. He's saying to them, listen, I know I've been around you. I've been doing miracles and all that kind of stuff. That's been the prelude to what's really about to happen. And that is this. I'm going to be arrested. These guys that, that I'm always preaching bad against because they're jerks, right? They're gonna, I'm going to arrest them. I mean, they're going to arrest me. I'm going to let them do it. And then they're going to beat me. They're going to kill me. But don't worry, I'm going to come back to life after a couple of days. It's all going to be good. And so he's laying out the plan. Now, for whatever reason, Maybe it's because Peter was such a strong Jew and he'd always grown up hearing about the Messiah uh, and so he just couldn't imagine that the Messiah would actually die. Maybe it's because he really just hated the Pharisees and he couldn't imagine them winning. Maybe it's because he was so close to Jesus and he couldn't imagine his best friend dying. What, for whatever reason, Peter could not accept that this was the fact of what was going to happen. And so Peter responds, by rebuking Jesus, which I think is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Because what did Peter, what did, what did we just say Peter had just done in a few verses before? He had just proclaimed that Jesus was the Son of God. So he just said, hey, you're the Son of God, and by the way, you're wrong, right? It just doesn't make sense, does it? But it says that he rebuked Jesus, and Jesus responds to him so soft and kind, like we all think Jesus is. You know, everybody thinks Jesus was just like this soft-spoken, wimpy guy. If, a, if, a, if, if Peter had rebuked a soft-spoken, wimpy guy, he would have said, I don't know, maybe you're right, you know, let's talk about this. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, right? That's got to do some serious damage to your self-esteem, to have Jesus call you Satan. But the, the rest of that verse tells us why Jesus did that, because he says, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. See, Jesus was saying to Peter, listen, Peter, Satan is doing all he can to keep this plan from taking place. Satan is doing all he can to keep me from providing salvation to the world. And if you don't want me to go to the cross, you're being used by Satan. And you don't have in mind the things I want. You only have in mind the things you want. And that really was Peter's big problem. Because what made no sense to Peter. See, it didn't make any sense at all to Peter for, for Jesus to be killed. But what made no sense to Peter made perfect sense to Jesus. Because Jesus could see the whole picture, whereas Peter could only see just this little bit right in front of him. Jesus knew what his death was going to provide. Jesus knew that he was going to come back to life. Jesus knew that this was the real path to victory. But in Peter's mind, it didn't make any sense. And so Peter only had in mind the things that he wanted, whereas Jesus had in mind what the big picture was. 
Now, the thing about this that I can really relate to, and, and maybe you're not like me, but how many times do you read Scripture or hear a message preached and it talks about here's things that need to take place in your life, here's things you need to implement into your life, here's things you don't need to be doing, here's things you do need to be doing, and, and or maybe sometimes when, when God, you feel like God's given you a specific direction, here's somewhere you need to be going, or, or somebody you know you need to be with, and you, you hear all that stuff, and then you think to yourself, yeah, but that can't be right. Has anybody else ever done that other than me? Have you ever read Scripture and thought, you know what, but that was written like 2,000 years ago? The world's not like that today. Turn the other cheek? Jesus, he didn't literally mean turn the other cheek. There's got to be something in the original Greek, right? Let me get out a book and try to research this to make it say what I want it to say. I mean, whatever. No sex before marriage? Are you serious? Have you seen how hot the women are today, God? You expect me to be able to stand up under this pressure? you got to be crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. And sometimes we're just like Peter. We're wanting to rebuke God and say, yeah, I know what this Bible says, but man, it's, it, things weren't like this back then. This is 2010. Things are different now. And sometimes we can be so much like Peter, and when we do, it proves that we don't really get what Jesus is all about. We don't get what the plan is. We don't understand it. Now, the other thing about Peter in this that, that you can tell where he really didn't understand Jesus, he didn't understand the plan of Jesus, and then he didn't really understand who Jesus was as a man either, who, who he was as an individual. Um, if you'll look uh, that I thought was something that I thought was interesting, is that in the, um, in the John 18 part, when, he, when, G, when uh, Peter is, is standing there and they're coming to get coming to get Jesus and all that kind of stuff. Now it says here in John 18, look at verse um, 4. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, I am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with him. Now check this out, verse 6. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. They're coming to take him away, right? They got swords. They got all the power. This is one guy. Jesus opens his mouth and says, I am he, and boom, everybody falls down. And you know what that was? That was Jesus saying to them, listen, you want to arrest me? That's cool. I'm going to show you, just before you do that, though, I'm going to let you know who's really in charge. Come arrest me, bring it on. Bow! Now you're on the ground. Yeah. See that? See what I got right here? Okay, now I'm going to go with you. See, Jesus was reminding them, the only way I'm going with you, the only way I'm going to be arrested is if I choose to be arrested. And that's what makes, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself into next week, but that's what makes the cross and that's what makes the risen Jesus rising from the grave so amazing. Jesus was not unwillingly killed. Jesus was not some helpless guy who who got railroaded into a bad trial and they executed him and it's so sad. No, Jesus boldly walked into the cross. He boldly walked into a courtroom and said, you're going to have to kill me because that's what it's going to take for me to save all these people. And I love them so much that I'm willing to do that. And see, so that day, Jesus, the man, he didn't need Peter to protect him. 
He said to them, fine, you're going to take me? Bow, I'm going to knock you down. Okay, now you can take me. But then there's Peter, and he picks up his sword, and he starts cutting off people's ears. See, Peter didn't get, he didn't get the plan of Jesus, and then he didn't get who Jesus was as a man. He didn't understand how powerful he was. Jesus didn't need to be protected. And maybe sometimes today, you know, we do things and, and we're trying to act for God and, and we're trying to do what God wants us to do. And, and sometimes we think that, oh, we got to, that people aren't saying Merry Christmas at Target. We got to do something about that. God needs to be protected. Now, if you're big on the Merry Christmas thing, I'm just messing with you a little bit. But it's just, it's funny to me every year we get so tore up about these little things. And I'm thinking, dude, Jesus can put Target out of business with a snap of his fingers if he wants to, right? And Cam, I know you work at Target. So nothing, Cam, who's playing guitar this morning, works at Target. And he is working from the inside to change the Merry Christmas culture there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We, Cam and I have never talked about that. But, but you know, we... Sometimes we act like Jesus needs to be protected or that, or that we need to make Jesus relevant. We've got to come up with a new way to explain the cross and the blood because people really don't like blood nowadays. We've got to come up with a different word for sin because sin's so old-fashioned and, and old Baptist revival and we don't want that. Listen, the Bible says that we're sinners and the Bible says the only way that we can be saved is through the shed blood of the cross and we don't need to make that relevant and we don't have to try to protect Jesus. The only thing Jesus ever asked us to do, He didn't ask us to make Him relevant. He didn't ask us to protect Him. He didn't ask us to, to make Him famous or all that kind of stuff. He asked us to follow Him. Jesus asked us to follow him. And see, that's what Peter had forgotten through this whole process. The very first conversation Jesus ever had with Peter was this, follow me. First words he ever spoke to him. Before he introduced himself, before he found out if he was married or not married, had kids, where he worked, all that kind of stuff, he just said, you follow me. And Peter started to follow him. But somewhere along the way, Peter began to forget that, that it's not about protecting Jesus. It's not about that stuff. It's about following Jesus. And see, a follower of Jesus wouldn't have cut somebody's ear off. A follower of Jesus would have said, okay, Jesus is letting them take him. I'm going to. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to go where he goes. If he gets arrested, I'm going to get arrested. That's what a follower would have done. See, Peter had this radical, this strength, which was being, being a radical follower of Christ, doing radical things. And his weakness was he was sometimes radically wrong. And here's the difference between the two. The difference between the two is what has Jesus told us to do? The difference between the two is the timing of it. See, being radical doesn't always mean acting quickly. Sometimes the first to jump is the first to die, Right? It's not like, oh, something needs to be done. Let's jump in there and do it right now. Okay, that's fine if God's told you to do it. See, being a radical follower of Jesus is doing what Jesus says to do when he says to do it, whether anyone else is doing it or not. Peter had that last part down pat. He didn't care if anybody else was doing it. I don't care if people are staying in the boat. I don't care if nobody else is pulling their sword. I'm doing what needs to be done. He had that part down. But the part that he would get messed up on sometimes is the first part 
where it says doing only what Jesus says to do. You know the difference between last week's story and this week's, the two stories we talked about this week? Is when Peter wanted to get out of the boat, Jesus told him, bring it. Jesus said, come. And so then it was okay to get out of the boat. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you do what Jesus says to do. And if Jesus says, get out of the boat, you get out of the boat. But Jesus never said, pull out a sword and cut a guy's ear off. That's the main difference. Peter was acting radically both times, but the difference between being radically faithful and being radically wrong was what Jesus said to do. So here's what I want us to do today. I want you to just think about your life just for a second. And what is it that God might be telling you to do that, that you know it's Him telling you to do? And maybe what is it that sometimes you tend to go out and do on your own and you haven't stopped and taken the time to figure out if it's what He wants you to do or not? You're only following if you're doing what He's saying to do. If you're doing out there something on your own, you're not following. You're taking your own path that's leading you somewhere else. And again, I sound like a broken record every week, but I'll say it again. You want to find out what God wants you to do, read the Bible. Get it out, read it every day. I don't understand it. Keep reading it. Get away, nothing against the King James, but if you don't understand King James, get one, get an NIV, get an ESV, get an SUV. There's not an SUV, I just just came to my mind. A Humvee, but get a... Get a translation you can understand. Living Bible, the message. Go to the store. Go there and tell the people, I want a Bible that's written in everyday language. And they'll, they'll help you find one. And read it every day. That's how you're going to find out what Jesus is telling you to do. In fact, if people start telling me stuff that God's told them to do and it's not born out of what they read in the Bible, I get a little afraid of that. Because God guides us best of what's in there. So I want you to bow your heads. And what I want to pray for us today is I just want to pray kind of a prayer of blessing over all of us that we would all be followers and that we would not get ahead of what Jesus wants us to do. And then I want to pray for what God's going to do here next week and who you're going to be talking to this week. So let me pray those two prayers for us right now. Father God, I am thankful that you've given us your word. I'm thankful for the stories in there of Peter that we can learn from thankful for his radical faith and lord i'm also thankful that he made radically big mistakes and we can learn from that also help us lord help me help each person in here help us only to do what you say help us to be followers of you sometimes lord we want to fly off the handle we want to do things because of the way we feel lord don't let us be ruled by our emotions Let us be ruled by what you've told us to do in your word. Lord, I also want to pray for each person in this room that as they go out of here today and they go out with the name of somebody on their mind that they're going to invite to be here next week, that you would help them, give them the the boldness, give them the strength to, to invite that person this week, to tell them about what you've done for us, to talk to them about the cross. Lord, we love you. We want to celebrate all your goodness. We want to celebrate how good you've been to us. And Lord, we admit and we acknowledge that without your cross, 
without the grave, then all this is a waste of time, and we are nothing without you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.